All right, what's going on? Welcome to Canel and Bell. Danny Canel and Rajah Bell with you on this Friday. Massive weekend we got to get to. Of course, it is hate week. That's what we refer to it in Tallahassee, Rajah. It's FSU versus Miami. We're going to break that down. Uh, some NFL news, too, with Cam Newton. We'll get to that, plus a little NBA as well. as Some uh, suspensions have been doled out for that. Uh, the hug fest, I think is what you called it the other day, uh, in the NBA between Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns. How was your Halloween, man? Did you have a good Halloween? Did you get out and get some candy for the kids? Yeah, we had a good one, man. We had, uh, like, one of our friends picked up this golf cart. Like, golf carts have come a long way, Danny. Like, this thing is, like, radiating beats. Like, you gotta forgive me. I'm not in the golf cart world. But this thing was, like, blasting music. We had Biggie pumping down the block. It was a good time. Love it. I, I, for one, I am actually really glad that Halloween is over, man. It's like it's been a long week. There have been so many parties, school parties. It falls on a Thursday. It just seems like it's a week-long celebration. Now we're in November. It's crazy we're all in November. But I'm ready to put Halloween behind me. Uh, last night on Twitter, I had a little beef with some of your boys down there in Coral Gables, and I'm not real happy about it. You got you. I want to know if you have my back or not. So your buddy, Rohan Marley, uh, son of Bob Marley, puts out a tweet, and he put a highlight video of me throwing an interception back in the Orange Bowl my <laughs> junior year. And then uh, your boy Chad Wilson, who was on that defense as well, chimed in on it and then tagged me and said, he threw all of us INTs. I dropped mine. It was like Halloween and he had the sweetest house on the block. So Ugh. he's throwing haymakers at me. So I had to come back at him. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, one or two, maybe. But what happened the next year in Tallahassee? I asked him that, and he came back and like recounted each one. He was like, one in the end zone to Malcolm Pearson, the one in this video to C.J. Richardson. Then you tried throwing one to me, but I didn't want it, apparently, is what he said. <laughs> then they, then this is where he gets a little harsh. Then they told you to sit your bleep down, and then Thad, bless my boy Earl Little, to end the game. Hashtag you tried to forget. But he still didn't go back to my senior year when we got the best of you guys. But... I love it. Your boy Chad Wilson, next time you see him, if you see him around, I think he has a training facility in South Florida. You tell him to take it easy on your guy, all right? Yeah, I got to tell him to calm down. Him, uh, Roe, uh, CJ, those are all my guys. So I will definitely tell them that there is a relationship now between you and I, and therefore <laughs> they should tread a little more lightly. But all bets are off on hey week, bro. What do you want me to do? <laughs> That is true. That's what I was going to say. Everything aside from this week. We'll get to our picks later. And there were some really good suggestions on a stakes uh, that we should have in our bet for the Florida State-Miami game. A couple of 500 teams. We've talked a lot about that. But we had some really good response on Twitter and uh, at our uh, podcast page with uh, on Apple Podcasts where we had some good uh, reviews there and some good su uh, suggestions there. Last night we did have Thursday Night Football. It was billed to be... Not the best game, right? It was 49ers undefeated going against the lowly Arizona Cardinals. It was pretty entertaining, and it was closer than I think most people thought. The Arizona Cardinals did cover as a 10-point underdog, got it to three late. It was sort of what I expected. I thought there was going to be a backdoor cover type situation there. But Jimmy Garoppolo had what I think is his best game as a San Francisco 49er. 28 of 37 for over 300 yards. Four touchdown passes, but even more so than that, if you watch some of the throws in the red zone, tight windows, I think he looks really in control. And his playing style, I'm curious to see if you agree with me, his throwing motion, the way he throws, the way he moves around a little bit, he reminds me of Tony Romo, which is a good thing. I think it's a really good comp, but that's kind of who he reminds me of as the quarterback of the 49ers. Um, yeah, I don't really get into throwing styles. Like You would know that more than me, Danny. Um I think he is a really interesting quarterback, though, because I've said before, I don't know if I'm ready to necessarily say he's the guy that if you don't have a really solid running game, 
Um, and if you're not going to be committed to running the ball and you don't have a, a really, really good defense that you can necessarily just give him the ball, you know, a la, you know, Aaron Rodgers or, or, or Pat Mahomes or some of these other guys. And it's not really a slight because that's a rare error of quarterback, but I don't know that he's in that. I do think he's really good though. And, um, you know, I heard some people arguing over like the whole game manager type of deal. I've always thought that that's what a quarterback's job was to do anyway. Like if you don't have to sling it around, 55 times and, and pull rabbits out of hats all night and you can rely on a steady ground game and make timely plays as a quarterback and and pull them out when you need to pull them out that that was your job description to begin with so you know I don't really love that people slight him like that but I'm not so sure I'm ready to put him in in that top tier of quarterback you know what I'm saying for sure and he has to earn it I mean it's it's kind of part of that process now he's already earned his paycheck right he already had the break the bank contract that he had but he does have to earn it and I think it actually plays right into Richard Sherman's kind of philosophy because after every single game, Richard Sherman keeps telling people, and by now you're undefeated. People are taking note of what the San Francisco 49ers are doing. But Richard Sherman's like, you guys keep telling us we're not that good. Keep telling us we haven't played anybody. Keep telling, like all these criticisms, I think are fueling this team and they're responding to them and they're coming out there playing as anybody good as anybody else there. I did think last night was the game where he was asked to be a little bit more than the game manager and he took advantage of that. They did make an effort to take away the run game and put more of the game on Garoppolo's shoulders. And I think he responded in a really good way. And you bring up an excellent point because that term game manager is used as such a negative term sometimes. And it's not. Peyton Manning was the best game manager the game has ever seen. Like, is that negative? No. He was awesome. He was like a coach at the line of scrimmage. You have, as a quarterback, you have to manage the game. You have to manage, uh, the play clock. You have to get in and out of the huddle. You have to know when you can throw it away. You have to know every situation that could unfold before your, you know, before your play. And that's the definition of a game manager. I think we use that term too negatively sometimes. But what you're talking about is I think, I think the 49ers could still possibly be, I wouldn't put up there with the Saints just yet. Um, and even the Packers, probably with Aaron Rodgers, you'd give them the edge, the slight edge over them in the NFC. But you could still win a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think that's the, that's kind of the, the definition of what you would want in your starting quarterback is can we win a Super Bowl with him? And I think that answer is yes. I've already, like, I think I've seen enough to say that answer is yes. Now that needs the help, needs all the other pieces to come together. But I think the answer is yes, you can win a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo, which is exactly why they paid him that big money. Sure. And I, look, we had, um, uh, this was probably four or five weeks ago when you had up early in the season, the undefeated teams and you were asking who you trusted, right? Um, and we were always going to trust the Patriots just because of what they've done. But the only team that statistically looked like they were for real, meaning, you know, you had defensive, uh, numbers in the top, you know, 25% of the league and offensive numbers at the time was San Francisco. But the jury was out. It was really early in the season. You, you've got more of a sample size now, Danny. That defense is legit and it's real. Um, they do make a commitment to running the ball. And Jimmy G is like some of the throws he made last night. You know, even though I, I, and I'll still stick to that. Like, I don't know that he's Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes, but he made some anticipatory throws. Like, even if that's even a word, like he threw some balls where pressure was all over him. The running or the, the receiver wasn't clear of a defender yet. And he just put it out where you would expect the only person could get it would be the receiver. And to me, that is higher level type of stuff. And you pair that with the fact that they got him a real weapon in Emmanuel Sanders out there. And you've seen his touchdowns to wide receivers increase over the last, you know, a game or two uh, with, with a new weapon. I do think this team can win a Super Bowl. I think so, too. So that was the 49ers perspective and no, no doubt about what they did. But 
On the other side, it was really the first opportunity for Kyler Murray to play on a national stage where everybody can have a look at him in prime time and see what this number one draft pick was all about. I tell you what, Raj, I was very, like, I liked him in college, thought he could be a good pro, but I was, there's a part of me was like, man, he's really short. Um, you know, he's playing in this system with Cliff Kingsbury. I've been really, really impressed with Kyler Murray this season. Um, if you look at his stats compared to Baker Mayfield, they're not quite as high where Baker this uh, at this point last season had 17 touchdowns versus Kyler's nine this year. But uh, Kyler does have less interceptions, but he's also been running the football a little bit more. Um, I, I tell you, even aside from the stats, which are very favorable, and I think you would already call it, like if, if he was shut down from today, I think you would say it was a successful rookie season. To me, when I watch him play, and this is what you saw at Oklahoma, he never gets rattled. Like, he, And I, that's what I like watching in quarterbacks. Do you see that deer in the headlights or you see who, somebody who's composed? I don't care what the situation is. And there was a play in the first half that looked like it had broken down somewhat. He started to scramble and then he came back. He, it didn't phase him at all. Boom, down the field, completion. He just looks in control, which is something you don't see in many rookie quarterbacks ever. So I've been really impressed with his poise and composure, as well as what he's doing in Cliff Kingsbury's system. Yeah, um, he, he looked he looked good. Um, and he's another one. We talked about Lamar. I didn't know that Lamar's speed translated. I knew he'd be fast, but I didn't know he would be faster than everyone else at the NFL level. Kyler's got a little bit of that, Danny. Like when he decides to kick it, into another gear when he's evading the rush. It just doesn't look like many people can catch him. Um, and he does have a, you know, he doesn't panic. There was one where he got outside of the pocket, uh, yesterday. It was third and, and long. You know, a lot of young quarterbacks outside of the pocket, a couple receivers floating downfield. They try to stick that in. It's a pick. He just threw it out of bounds. Like, and it was at a tough point of the game, but to have the patience to, to not try to make a play there, know that you'll punt and you'll get another opportunity, which they did. Um, it, it's, it's, it's like, you're a little wiser beyond your years there, right? Most young quarterbacks force that. Uh, yeah, I, what I took away from that game, and it doesn't have much to do with Kyler Murray, was that you could get Kenyon Drake out there in less than a week almost, or a week in whatever he was there. I don't know. Um, a guy who couldn't be used for the Dolphins, and he looked like he couldn't like really contribute to their cause. And then he goes off last night for Arizona. It's a terrible look. It's why I don't like the tanking philosophy, and it's why I don't subscribe to what the Dolphins are doing. Like, you're this deep in it. I mean, I guess you finish it out, but it's just a bad look all the way around. I totally agree, and that was one thing, you know, with, with him last night. So he had 162 total yards and a touchdown. Instantly on the, like, on the field, you watched his first couple runs. He was running out there with his energy. And you could tell, I, I, sometimes I think you can tell when a player is running with a chip on his shoulder. I think he was like, man, screw Miami. Like, those guys traded me away. I'm going to show what I'm capable of doing. I've been bottled up for a couple years. And it's not only this season, but if you go back to Adam Gase, why wasn't he able to feature Kenyon Drake? He was a player out of Alabama who I really liked coming out. I thought he was that could have been that third-round running back position that all of a sudden burst out in the seed like Kareem Hunt or other guys we've seen historically do that. And I think it just be – I'm totally on board with you. I don't mind – trying to tank with certain players. But when you trade away everybody, Minka Fitzpatrick, former first-rounder, was a great defensive player, also out of Alabama. They move him to Pittsburgh. This is another player 
that I looked at and said, man, I know you want to start over, but he really could help a young quarterback next year. He could help the team next year for your team. So I'm totally on board with you looking at Kenyon Drake and being like, man, good for Kenyon Drake to get out of that toxic situation, the tanking situation. But it is uh, a little bit inexplicable as you look at the Dolphins. Like, all right, you guys are really like taking this tanking to an extreme where you're not even keeping any pieces of the puzzle that could possibly help turn this thing around. No, The other bit of breaking news that I, it's, yeah, re- go ahead. it's ridiculous. Uh, I wanted to touch on Kyler again because I do think this is interesting. The fact that you, you and I just talked about it, but there's not nearly the buzz around what Kyler's doing nationally as there was with what Baker was doing last year nationally when he got to start. I actually think it's a really, really good thing for Kyler, right? Like all the attention, all the, the blow up immediately without ever having, um, real sustain, sustained success at the NFL level. I think hurt Baker, you know, you start to read your own press clippings, the, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the pressure to win is now. The expectations are high. I think letting the season kind of play out, the numbers can be great, but the national narrative doesn't have to be that he's arrived and he's going to take the, the league by storm next year. Keeps you hungry and keeps you on your grind through the offseason. And hopefully, you know, he doesn't experience that kind of slump that next year kind of like Baker has. Yeah, totally agree. It's an outstanding. It's a good situation for being. And what we were, I, I would, I didn't know what Cliff Kingsbury was going to look like. And Cliff Kingsbury still has a lot to learn and grow into as he kind of morphs his system to affect the NFL clock management. There were some issues late in the game last night that maybe mm-hmm. would have had them a chance to possibly win that game. But it's been a really strong season, I think, for both those guys. I mean, overall, I think a lot of people looked at Cliff Kingsbury like, eh, he didn't even win at Texas Tech, and they just give him this job. And they're showing, like, it could have been a disaster. Like, that, to me, was the worst-case situation. And the fact that they're actually out there contending and playing against a team that's one of the best in the NFL and with a chance to win, yeah. I think it's a really good situation. Um, in the NFL, there was news also. Uh, Ian Rappaport from um, NFL Network tweeted out the news that you read at the hour uh, about Cam Newton. So the Ian Rappaport had a tweet that read, Panthers quarterback Cam Newton hasn't played since mid-September and his sprained foot is not getting better. He hasn't, he hasn't done more than rehab to the side. The visit to Dr. Anderson in Green Bay is to learn why his condition isn't improving, source said. Playing football is a long way off. This is devastating news, I think, to Cam Newton and his career with the Carolina Panthers, Oh yeah, which I already thought was in doubt with Kyle Allen coming in and playing the way he had, and Ron Rivera's out there saying he's going to take another week, but I think most of us assumed that Cam Newton was getting closer and closer and closer. This setback makes me wonder if kind of the speculation I had earlier, maybe he's the next Andrew Luck, a guy who hangs it up closer to the age of 30 than 40, and he's made a lot of money. That makes it look more and more like a reality. Like, if this is a major problem that he's having, if you're Cam Newton, do you want to go somewhere else and start over? Maybe he still does. Maybe he gets back there. But if his body's slowly deteriorating right before our eyes, it gives me real serious pause about what Cam Newton's future holds. Um, yeah, this is best-case scenario for Carolina. Um, I hate to say that, but they don't, they're not forced to make this decision right now. Um, they can allow Kyle Allen to continue to play and evaluate, you know, what the team looks like with Kyle Allen at the helm and continue to ride the wave, you know, that the team's on, so to speak. I know they had a setback last week, but, you know, you, you, you were kind of surging uh, in his presence there. You don't have to make that huge decision about Cam right now. For Cam, you know, that stinks. Anytime you're dealing with an injury, you know, or, or anything like that, you're looking for a clear-cut answer as to what's going on. You you just want to know why why is it happening? Why is it feeling like this? What do I need to do to get it better? 
The fact that you don't get that um, or you haven't gotten that yet has got to be really, really frustrating for Cam. And I, I didn't really agree with you, Danny, necessarily about the shutdown, the retirement. But if this is an injury where he can't get a clear-cut answer and he's getting a, a different you know, result from one doctor and a different result from another doctor and they can't pinpoint what it is or how he can rehab it to get it better – you're opening me up to possi- the possibility of he he may. That's a lot. Look, once you've made your money um, and once you've experienced MVPs and he doesn't have a Super Bowl, but he's played and been regarded as a really, really you know high-level quarterback, you're not as hungry, man. Your priorities shift. It's life, right? Like you see him off the field. You've questioned him and, and his wardrobe before and what he's into and, and having other interests other than football. Those are very real things. You had an injury that you can't pinpoint what the problem is and you don't even know how to rehab it. I do think you have to start having the conversation about whether or not um, in, in the back of his mind it's worth it for him. And do you remember, I think it was last season, he was up at the podium and he was talking about his shoulder. And he's like, they don't know what's wrong with it. This is the second time he's had an injury. It, what, I don't know if it's misdiagnosed. I don't know if it's just his body's harder to figure out than most. But that, I mean, we're going to talk about Trent Williams, the Washington Redskins, the issues he's having with that medical staff. But I wonder if Cam Newton is looking at the Carolina Panthers medical staff and being like, I had a shoulder last year. You guys couldn't tell me what was going on. Now I got an ankle. You guys can't. Like, you wonder what the heck is going on with his body or the training staff. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. All right, welcome back to Kinnell and Bell uh, on this Friday as we move to the NBA. So, Raja, yesterday after the show, I go home, I get some lunch, Sitting there, I flip it on first take, and I'm watching Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman sit down with Kevin Durant. So I was like, all right, let me see this. This thing was much hyped interview. I'm like, mm-hmm. let's see what I get out of Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant has been a player that I don't, I'll say, I love, hate. I don't know, it's a little strong word. It's not like I hate him, but I just, I get annoyed by some of the things he does. I think he's a little too sensitive. Uh, I don't know if he has his priorities straight. So I, I look at him, I'm just like, there's this, Last year, him saying, I want to go in the finals, I want to try to win a championship, I love that move. So like, I was like, all right, I'm all in. He didn't blame anybody on the Warriors staff. He didn't blame the doctors. He didn't blame the coaches. He said, no, that was on me. I wanted to try to help my players, my guys win a championship, so I wanted to play. So I actually, I was starting to turn the corner. It took a major setback yesterday, because I watched him out there, and he just comes across as unlikable for whatever reason. I don't know if he has this thing with Stephen A. They've had a beef where he was just a little aloof, didn't want to really open up. But there were a couple things I want to see if they bothered you as much as they bothered me. So obviously he goes to Brooklyn, uh, leaves Golden State, could have stayed there, but he decides to go to the Brooklyn Nets instead. So he was asked as some of the reasons why he went to Brooklyn. And he gave some of them, hey, you know, I wanted to try a new thing, I wanted to try to win there. But he also did admit that his little dust-up with Draymond Green was a part of the problem. He said, quote, yeah, I mean, you talk to your teammate, uh, I mean, your teammate talked to you that way. You think about it a bit. Like I said, we talked about it, but definitely for sure, I'm not going to lie about it. To me, like, you got to grow up and put your big boy pants on. Like, you're going to be that sensitive where Draymond gets after you because of a game situation. And first of all, Draymond had to be suspended. Now, that definitely came from Kevin Durant, who had his feelings hurt. But then you're going to let that be the reason or one of the reasons you leave town? Oh, that's just soft to me. Like, you got to get some thicker skin. Um, 
I thought it was refreshing that he actually admitted to that being part of the reason he left town. Um, you know, what, what Draymond was calling him, um, I think kind of Kevin Durant has read forever and listened to people question his toughness and, you know, it, it, how thick his skin is. And so what he was called by Draymond was really, really hurtful to him because though, like essentially you're, you're, you're echoing what everyone's saying about him, right? Is that he, that he ain't tough. You're not built like that. Um, you know, and, and so I think that that was one of those things that you can't take back, Danny. Like, you know what I mean? Like you get in an argument with somebody, um, you know, and it's, it's a superficial argument. You guys say things. Everybody can bury the hatchet, right? You didn't say anything that really crossed the line. I think calling Kevin Durant that because of the questions that people have had about Kevin Durant was a line crossing situation. Like, and, and Kevin Durant was never going to be able to get over that. I also believe that it had more to do with why they got into the argument than what he was called by Draymond. Even, even though it was, it was one of those things like that you, you've done irreparable damage. The fact that Kevin Durant deems himself as the best player on the planet and clearly the best player on that Warriors team and you're in a game with 10 seconds left on the clock and I'm, and Kevin Durant is standing right next to Draymond Green asking for the ball and Draymond Green basically waves him off and decides it's, it's his to take down the court and lose the ball in the process. Um, I think speaks more to why Kevin Durant left, right? Like, you're supposed to give me that ball. Like, there's got to be a peck in order here. And I think he felt at that moment, like, no matter what I do in Golden State, these cats are going to see it as theirs. Like, I'm not the guy. Like, I, they bring me in as the guy, but I'm like the mercenary guy, right? Like, I'm never going to be a part of that big three. When they really need me, they'll give me the ball. But man, it's, I'm never going to have ownership of this. Cause in that situation, Danny, if you're the guy, do you know what Draymond does with that ball? He flips that thing to you and he says, let's, let's go. And so I think it was, you know, I, I, I don't know that they touched on that side of it in the interview, but I think it was the combination of those two things in that game and in that moment he realized this probably isn't going to be the long-term situation for me. Uh, definitely. And it's one of those things, Draymond might not be the easiest guy to play with either. You know, like that could be a very real situation. But I just think if you would have stepped, like, I think it still could have worked if Kevin Durant would have. You know what he should have done, Danny? He should have whooped, whooped his ass. Exactly. That's what he should have done. If you exactly. had a beef with him calling I, you a B, whoop his ass. Yeah. I agree. Or at least attempt to, because they're going to get breaking up, but you have to stand up for yourself in those situations. That's where I wonder if Kevin Durant, like some of the stuff about him being a little bit softer is actually true. Because maybe Draymond was like trying to get him to step up, you know, and by calling him that, like you nah, usually are Draymond, ready for a reaction. Draymond, you can, Draymond wasn't trying to get him to step up. Draymond really believes he's a and to, to Well the then point, you need to change that narrative. Because I guarantee well, you a lot of guys look at him like that, don't you think? No, and that's why it that's why it hurt him to the core. Because I you know, like deep down, maybe I don't know. Look, I I don't know Kevin Durant like that. You know, you understand what I'm saying? But right. I think that's why maybe there's some insecurities on his part about that. And that's why when Draymond called him that, it's like one of the one things you couldn't probably say to him and have him forgive you. Once you said that and you called him multiple times and you could see him as, as DeMarcus Cousins is trying to like re- restrain Draymond, you could see DeMarcus Cousins saying to, to uh, I mean, Draymond saying to DeMarcus Cousins, like he's a, and I, I think the insecurities there. Are, are like so deep with Kevin Durant that you are never going to be able to walk that back. Right, for sure. And obviously that was a big reason. He admitted to it, said that's why one of the reasons I left uh, Golden State. So then it was the questions move on to like, all right, why did you choose the Nets? And he was asked about winning championships. He would not say 
that his goal was to win a championship. And they peppered him. They were trying to get him to say, hey, you know, you to add to your legacy. And he's like, I don't care about all that stuff. He's like, I just go to work every day. His quote was, I've told you what my name is and who I am before. You've seen what I've done. I don't have to prove that I can win the way you want me to. My job is to perfect my craft. That's what I do every single day with or without championships. He would not admit that his goal is to win a championship. Now, he just said, I'm going to work. I go to work just like everybody else in the country. I go to work every day. If we win, that's okay. But if not, that's okay. Do you have a problem at all with that mindset? Um, I don't have a problem with the mindset purely. Um, I do have a problem. I mean, you're being, I don't, I don't know that you're being, you know, forthright. I don't think you're being 100% truthful in that. You, you, you're, you are, your goal is to win a championship like that. So, the fact that you weren't truthful is, it bothers me a little bit. Plenty of people aren't truthful though, so it's not a big deal. Here's the way I see it, Danny. I think in his mindset, he's like, and I could be wrong. There's a lot of pressure attached to winning a championship, right? So if I view it through the prism of like, I've got to win this championship, I've got to win this championship, that pressure starts to mount. If, if, if I take it and, and break it down and say, Hey, if I am the best Kevin Durant that I can be and I perfect my craft as Kevin Durant, I will be good enough to win a championship, if that makes sense, right? So let me not be in a quest for a championship. Let me be on a quest to be the best player that I can be. I can control that. Ultimately, I don't control all the time the factors that determine winning a championship. I, I, I couldn't control, you know, tearing my Achilles. I couldn't control Clay Thompson's injuries. Like all of that beyond my control. So if I, if I put my eggs in that basket and all my energy in that basket, I could fall short. While if I put him in the Kevin Durant basket, being the best Kevin Durant I can be, um, and things go well on the other side, I can't control them anyway, we wind up winning a championship. So I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that I don't hate it because, you know, you can be the best player on the planet. If management doesn't do their job and get you the pieces they need, then you ain't winning a championship anyway. Again, you don't control that. So control being the best Kevin Durant you can be, perfecting the craft. And if that's good enough and everything else falls into place around that, it wins a championship. I don't have a problem with him viewing it like that if that's what he was saying. Yeah, I just have, the only thing I have a problem with is what's wrong with saying I want to win championships? It was almost like he didn't want to give in to the questions and just say it. So he was kind of, he's like, look, I'm just going to work. And it wasn't, like, I feel like every player in the NBA should want to play on a team that competes for a championship. Even if you really know you don't have a spot, like, that should be your career goal maybe is to have one day play for a championship. I know not everybody gets that, and that's okay. But I just, like, if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan, and I think if you watch that video, you're like, Wait a second. That's not his priority is to win a championship. And I just, from a PR standpoint, I think Kevin Durant would have been better if he would have said, yes, obviously I want to win a championship, but he wouldn't even say that. He's like, nope. He's like, I'm just going to be me. I can only control what I can do, which is true. And you want him to be the best player. And if he is the best player and he comes back, then they'll probably be in that mix. But his refusal to admit it was just weird. Cause if you listen to Kobe, if you listen to Michael, if you listen to LeBron, if you listen to any like historically great players, which I would put Kevin Durant in that category, they'd be like, yeah, why else do I play? It just, the way he came across was more, I've made my money. Like, and this is, this is kind of the attitude that was irritating me. He's like, I've made my money. I've already got my championship. So I'm just going to go to work every day with my lunch pail. And like, that's okay. But to a Brooklyn Nets fan, I bet they're like, well, what are we doing here? You know, I don't know. It's just one of those things that was just a little bit irritating. Probably yeah, not big Danny, of a deal. I think we probably overanalyze everything with, uh, with KD. With they were kind of part of what they were prodding him on was, do you think because when you went to the Warriors they were so great they didn't need you to win? 
did you go to Brooklyn to try to prove to people that you could take this team to a championship? And that was part of where he was saying the quote where he said, I don't need to prove to you that I can win your way. So maybe that's why he was getting a little defensive. Like, I don't have to prove anything to you, but still, he wouldn't. You're right. He wouldn't talk about winning a championship. But they were asking him, like, did you go there to try to prove to people that you can do this on your own? You know, right. I do, they were definitely trying to bait him. I do appreciate, like, I, you know, it can be frustrating even for me at times, Danny, like the new culture of the NBA at times, like not, not, not specifically this Kevin Durant thing, but just, you know, like guys are buddy, buddy, like, I, you know, like everybody knows each other. There's no real, there's only one guy in the league that really hates everybody else. that's not on his team. Russell Westbrook, everybody else is kind of cool with each other. Like old guys like me can hate that sometimes. Uh, but I do appreciate these guys willingness to stand up and be like, I don't care what like the media or anybody else says I need to act like or what needs to be important to me or what I need to put stock in, I don't view it like that. And I'm not going to act like I do because you say I need to, if that makes sense. Do you know? I, I appreciate that. Um, I don't always agree with the way they view things or the sentiments that they have, but I do appreciate their willingness to, to push back. And, you know, he went on the first take, and if he didn't feel like that was a fair question to him because the whole narrative around his championships in Golden State was that – he took the easy way out with them, and in his mind, he doesn't have to prove to anyone that he can win championships. I support that. I don't think I don't think that he does. Like he, he's clearly one of the top three players on the planet when he's healthy. I mean, we can debate who's number one, but you know, you know what else? What do you need to prove to them? And and saying that to someone like, look, I don't have to be what you want me to be when you want me to be it. You know, maybe it's because I'm always looking to be in some sort of like, you know, altercation or something. But I'm cool with it. I, I appreciate that. And he can do whatever he wants. Just don't go create your burner account and get on Twitter and get mad at people. <laughs> like, stop getting into beefs on Twitter. Fair, fair, All right, I'm mad fair. at you. I'm, I'm mad at you and I'm mad at Joey. You know why? Why? Because I think it was yesterday's show, maybe the day before, we were talking about Kendrick Nunn, the, uh, the rookie for the Miami Heat. And I was checking his odds for rookie of the year and they were at plus 3,000. And I was like, should I do it? You like hemmed and hawed. You're like, I don't know. Joey's like, I don't know. Butler's coming back. The ball's going to be spread around. So I didn't do it. So then last night I checked it. It was a plus 1500 before the game last night. I'm like, oh, should I do it? I'm like, well, Joey and Rajah didn't seem like they were too big on it. Maybe it wouldn't be sustainable. He goes off for 28 last night. I guarantee you, the odds are not out yet, but I guarantee you his rookie of the year odds are probably down to about plus 500. So you guys possibly cost me about 2,500 bucks, just so you guys know that. But how, how long do you have to see Kendrick Nunn, in all seriousness, do this to start saying, this is real. Like, I mean, we've seen flashes before. Jeremy Lin, Lin Sanity is probably the biggest example of somebody who caught the NBA by storm, was playing, and then he kind of, he gets his money, good for him, but then he's never really the same player. How long do you have to see Kendrick Nunn do this before you're thinking, all right, not only is he a rookie of the year contender, but maybe this is a guy who could be, you know, I don't know, all-star, but like a really good NBA player. Um, Joey and I debated this after uh, the show yesterday a little bit. Uh, I think that what Kendrick Nunn is doing is real. And it's not completely sustainable numerically. Um, like, he's not going to be averaging what he's averaging over the course of an NBA career. I don't know. He's not that kind of player. He is a very, very, very good player, and he's going to be a really good NBA player. There's a difference between that and a perennial all-star. Like, guys who average 22 a game and are putting up these shooting percentages, they're perennial all-stars. I don't I don't think he's going to be that. Um 
So it is, it is sustainable in that like he is an NBA player. Two years ago, he was not, and he's going to be a scoring option wherever he goes because he can put the ball in the bucket. That is happening. Um, here's what's interesting, and I still support this, Danny. I, why I said I wouldn't buy the stock in terms of rookie of the year opportunity for him is I don't know that Jimmy Butler signed up to play for the Heat to watch Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Hero take all the damn shots. Is that fair? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah, know that he sure. signed up to do that. And I know he's being the good, the good, you know, the, the good soldier right now. And, you know, this is a lesson I had with one of my sons the other day. Let me side, sidebar real quick about the Wally Pip effect, right? Like, you're sitting out because you got a sore back and that's a real thing. Except if somebody steps into your place at practice and starts getting the carries and they're toting the rock and they look damn near as good as you did, now you're splitting carries when all the carries were yours to begin with, right? And so Jimmy Butler took the three games off to celebrate the birth of his child, and we supported it. But in your absence, these two dudes step up, and they're cooking. I really don't think, at the end of the day, they are going to have Jimmy Butler on that payroll for that much money to be the face of their franchise, and the ball is going to run through Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Hero all year. Either it does, and they move Jimmy Butler, or it ceases to happen, and they give the ball to Jimmy Butler. So for that reason, I think that Kendrick Nunn will eventually scale back a little bit productivity-wise, and somebody else will have an opportunity to catch him in the Rookie of the Year conversation. All right, welcome back to Kinnell and Bell. Let's look at three games from the weekend that I've uh, kind of circled for different storylines. One, my guy Kirk Cousins takes a, the the, the uh, race for the MVP to the next level. But in all seriousness, this is the type of game where if he does want to be taken seriously, if he does want to change the narrative about him, yeah. he's got to go on the road to Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs. And with or without Patrick Mahomes, this is the type of game where he needs to go out there and have a big one. Do you think he does it? The Chiefs are favored by two. Patrick Mahomes still up in the air, whether he plays or not. I think they're correct. Unless he's saying I'm 100%, there are no issues. If he's at 90%, if I'm the Chiefs, I'm saying, no, we were pretty close. We contended with the Packers with Matt Moore. He looks serviceable. I am not risking it at this position. All that being said, do you think my man Kirk Cousins gets it done? Um, Ultimately... I think it is going to come down to whether Patrick Mahomes plays or not. And I agree with you. It's not worth the risk right now. Um, when a potential Super Bowl is on the line, if he's healthy, you're also buying him time for a bum ankle. So if they rest him, which I imagine they will do, then I'm going to go with you and your guy, Kirk Cousins. I don't know that he's going to have MVP type of numbers, uh, but they'll win the game. If they do not, um, if they do have Patrick Mahomes, I, I think that uh, the Chiefs will win. I think with or without Patrick Mahomes, the Vikings are going to win. And it's not because of Kirk Cousins. It's because of Dalvin Cook. Look at the teams yeah. that beat the Chiefs before Mahomes got hurt. Remember what they were doing? Running the football. Pounding it. Running yep. the football. Time of possession. I, I think that's going to be the storyline in this game. Dalvin Cook establishing that line of scrimmage. So I like the Vikings getting two on the road. Uh, the Patriots finally get a test against a quarterback, which they have not seen. Half the, the NFL is talking about Lamar Jackson saying, we've never seen a guy that runs it like this and throws it like this. So the Patriots go on the road to Baltimore as a three-point favorite. I'd like the Ravens here as an outright winner. I would take them on the money line to win the game at home. I do not – I think, the again, I've said this several times in the show, and it's not a knock against the Patriots' defense – I just don't think they're as great as we're making them out to be. Historically great of all time. I think Lamar Jackson, what he does, you can't scheme up things. Bill Belichick is such a great, you know, mastermind. He can have all these blitz, but you can't, there's no defense, there's no design for a guy like Lamar Jackson who gets out of all kinds of trouble. So I think he's going to have a huge game against the Patriots and win for Baltimore. All right. You sold me. I mean, this was going to be a toss up for me, but I do agree. Like, uh, 
even in basketball, we come up with great game plans defensively to counter what you guys do, like st- structurally and schematically. Like there's nothing you can do defensively to tell your team about uh, how to handle something spontaneous, you know, and just off the cuff. And that's a lot of what Lamar Jackson does with the ball when things break down. Um, so I do think he's going to pressure that defense and you sold me on it. I'll go with Baltimore t- with, uh, with the points. All right. Last game that I want to pick. And this is one of the worst games in the NFL, but it does have implications for the draft potentially. The New York Jets travel to Miami to take on the Dolphins. These two teams are the biggest dumpster fires in the entire NFL. The Dolphins just traded away Kenyon Drake. I'm sure those players are watching last night saying there goes another guy that we could have used in this game. Uh, they've been a mess. The Jets, on the other hand, they're a mess in its own right. Like they, this trade deadline was as bad as you could have it where you got guys like their safety, Jamal Adams, who was a first round pick. He's out there saying, hold on a second. I didn't want to be traded. Now you go behind my back. You shot me around. Le'Veon Bell's talking about his trade situation. You have all these different situations unfolding where it looks pretty toxic there. Is it crazy that I want to take the Dolphins here at home as the home dog with a field goal? No, it's not crazy because I think the Dolphins can beat them. Um, the question for me is, <laughs> will the powers that be let the Dolphins beat them? Um, or are you going to get the phone call halfway through the third quarter like, yo, shut them down, shut them down? Um, it would be so stupid for the Dolphins to jeopardize what they have going on right now, Danny. Having said that, I'm going to take the Dolphins at home. I think those players <laughs> – no, I really do. I think the players are like – right. You know, they're, they've, they've been playing hard. They don't have a lot of talent, but they've been out there competing and playing hard and giving themselves a chance. Like, I, I do think that they'll, they'll win the game. I, I do too. I, I think when you see, and this was a weird, really weird situation with Adam Gase, head coach of the Jets. Jamal Adams has been outspoken. He took to Twitter. He talked about how the trust was broken, how he didn't feel like they, he felt like the GM lied to him. And Adam Gase was asked about it. Hey, have you talked to Jamal Adams? And he says, no. I saw him at practice, and he looked like he was flying around. Are you kidding me? Your job as the head coach is to make sure everything is healthy and everybody's okay and everybody's ready to go for the game. And you haven't even talked to one of your key pieces of the defensive puzzle? That, to me, is why Adam Gase is not head coach material. He couldn't relate to his players in Miami. He's not relating to his players in the Jets. And you have to be more than an X and O's guy. You can't just scheme up plays. You have to do so many more things that you have to deal with the media. You've got to make sure, like, to me, this is a massive failure on Adam Gase's behalf that is a fireable offense to not even talk to a player who's clearly disgruntled. Like, that should be your number one thing. You come into work. Let me get Jamal in my office. Let me talk to him. Let me straighten this out. And he doesn't even talk to him. That's absurd to me. Yep. And I'm not, ex- I'm not saying that I side with Jamal Adams in, in terms of, uh, no. Um, whether or not, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's their, again, it's their job to field calls and, and do that. Um, I do think, you know, honesty, who cares, right? Like, if you're going to shop him, tell him you're going to shop him. But the fact that you didn't talk to him and you've had no conversation with him, it is, it is consistent with who Adam Gase has been as a head coach and who he was, um, with the Dolphins. And it's why they lost so much talent under his tenure here. Um, and I agree with you, Danny. Like, you, you, it is, it's a fireable thing. When you're running talent away, rather than figuring out ways to keep it in the building and have it be productive for you, you're not doing your job. All right. So that's their situation. So I think I'm on the Dolphins as well. Cause I think this is just a team that doesn't want to play hard. And don't forget the Dolphins were up 14 nothing Pittsburgh. They were still fighting. They still had a chance to win that one. And yeah. I think the Jets are a worse team than the Steelers and they're playing at home. So I kind of like the Dolphins at home to get their first win of the season. The other news out of the NFL is Trent Williams for the Washington Redskins. We talked about him yesterday. He actually spoke to the media about what we found out was cancer, uh, this tumor in his head. And so here's what he said. Here's his quote. It was cancer. I had a tumor removed from my skull, attached to my skull. It got pretty serious for a second. 
I was told some scary things from the doctors. It was definitely nothing to play with. It was one of those things that will change your outlook on life. If I'm being told by the very people I put my career in the hands of, people are telling me I'm fine, I'm fine. That's how I looked at it. This, to me, is a really, really unfortunate, scary situation where for several years it was misdiagnosed. And, you know, Trent Williams was asked, do you still trust the doctors? And he's like, or trust this team? He's like, no, that's like Captain Obvious. Of course he doesn't trust them. Um, it's just, and now the, the Redskins put out a statement that they're requesting the NFL's management council to convene a joint committee to, with the NFLPA to review the medical care and records that were given to Trent Williams. This is an awful look for the Washington Redskins and their medical staff that they could have let this fly under the, right under their nose. Yeah, this is, uh, this is awful from a medical standpoint. Um, it's also awful just from an organizational look that you've botched that. Um, and a guy doesn't trust you anymore and, and, and you know why as an organization and you still, you know, are holding him there and won't move him. This is one where, you know, you, you gotta suck it up as an organization and say, you know what, dude, if you don't trust us anymore, you want to be here. This was life and death possibly. This wasn't like football games, like we're asking you to play, you know, in a, in a three, four and you're better in a four, three. This wasn't like that. This was a life and death thing. Um, and we botched it as an organization. We understand you're, you're free to go. You make that work for him. Do you know what I mean, Danny? Like the fact that it's gotten to where it's gotten where they wouldn't trade him and they wouldn't give him to a good team and they held him and then they couldn't trade him. Like you've just made a mess out of this from start to finish if you're Washington. Um, and it's, you know, it speaks to why that's going to be a hard job for people to take, um, you know, from a coaching perspective. What I can understand is after Trent Williams has complained and complained and they're looking at this issue and he had part of it removed, but he's still complaining about it. Why would, and maybe there was, but why wouldn't the medical staff say, go ahead and get another opinion? Let's get you to the best specialist in the country. Cause that's what a good medical staff would do. They're not threatened. Hey, we don't know. You go call up some experts in the field and say, let's yeah. have this looked at. But clearly they didn't take it serious enough. And that's why I think even the Redskins are admitting as much saying we need to review our own policies. And I think you could see a situation where you could see a change with the medical staff. And I say credit to Trent Williams for really handling this like a pro. He didn't throw Dan Snyder under the bus. He said, Hey, I appreciate them trying to do their job. They said, do you think people should be fired he said no i'm not into the business that those guys have families and kids and i don't want to get them fired credit to him for handling this like a true professional uh and just you know th- thank goodness imagine if this was the worst case scenario which is if it was cancer and they couldn't yeah. stop it like that would have been awful so all that being said you know hopefully he get in a financially i bet he'll get taken care of and he should uh yeah. by the washington redskins all right, welcome back to Kennell and Bell. As it is Florida State Miami week, it is hate week as we refer to it. And just to let everybody know, we did put it out there. Hey, give us some suggestions of what the stake should be. Some really good uh, replies on there. Make sure you go follow at Kennell and Bell. We've re uh, we've rebranded. We fired it back up. There's a resurgence on at Kennell and Bell on Twitter. Make sure you go follow that account. We really had some good suggestions for these, Roger. But I want people to know you were begging for points. Like you're like, oh, I want the points. I want the points. It's a rivalry game. There are no points. Florida State is a field goal favorite. I even feel comfortable saying they're going to win by more than that. But what is at stake here? So see, there's some of the suggestions which I think are pretty good. Uh, since you have a simulcast, 100 push-ups live on the show while the other just carries on with the show. I think that's a great suggestion. I don't know. I don't know if I could do 100. Like that <laughs> might take 20 minutes. Does that have to Straight? do 20 and stop? 20 Straight. and stop? Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and then that would be way too long. If you yeah. lost that one, I'd have to be do. I'd have to be carrying the show for way too long. So we don't want to have to do that one because that's most likely what was going to happen. Um, if Miami wins, Danny has to sing the seventh floor crew karaoke. Of course, the seventh floor crew was back in your heyday when you were a Miami fan, hanging around with some of those players. Yeah. They had the rap that was put out. Greg Olson. There was several other guys that were on there. I 
think that we can't do that because it's not clean. We should have <laughs> asked Greg. We should have asked out. Greg about it at the Super Bowl. I don't think he likes bringing it up. I, I think he like wants that to remain in his past. He won't, he doesn't like bringing it up exactly. All right. Here's one that I think we can actually, I think there are a couple that we can actually use. And I think we should do multiple one of these. Yeah. New pair of kicks, $300 value. So we yeah. do 250 or is 300 fair? 300 is good. I mean, I might want something that's 275. I don't know. Let's keep it 300. <laughs> All right. But the, the loser gets to pick which shoes. Is that fair? The loser, right, gets, the loser to gets to pick which pair of shoes. Yeah. You no. just have to, I'll give you my size, you give me your size, and I get to pick whatever value it is. Do you get to choose fair, the shoes? Fair enough. Just fair says enough. new pair of kicks. Fair enough. All right. Fair enough. All right. The other one that I think is really good, um, if FSU wins, Raja has for the rest of the year. That's a long time. Well, let's say maybe for a week. And if Miami wins, Danny has to start every show and podcast with the phrase, the U is back. I say we do it for a week. I think we can do that one for a week. A week is good. I think we should do that one. Um, a week is good. But uh, when, when you go when ahead. you when you say the U is back, I need you to say it into the camera like you mean it. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. Yeah, the back at five and four. Right. We'll have to see about that one. <laughs> and then how about this one? Loser buys two Meineke Car Care Bowl tickets to watch the winner play in it. Winners get to wear the opponent's jersey to the game. No one wins in that one. If you have to buy two tickets to the Meineke Car Care Bowl, that that's is funny, a uh, lost proposition. That's funny, though. Because, that is pretty good. Yeah, that's about all either one of our team might be able to get into this year. I like that one from yeah. Ask, at Josh J. 1984. Uh, at Cat said, Tattoo Bet. I don't know. That would be, I don't, I don't know if I ever want any tattoo related to some game. Like that's way too risky for me. And if it was just something, uh, but I think what we'll go with new kicks, $300 value. Yeah. And then the mock turtlenecks for a week for you, or I have to say that you is back. Is that fair? Fair enough. It's a bet. All right. It is a bet. It's a bet. 330 oh. ABC. The game is on. I tell you. Do you, do you feel confident about your squad? I actually Manny, feel really listen, good about Willie Tackett. Boy, don't make me come down to Coral Gables, bro. Okay? Don't make me come down to Coral Gables. Y'all better handle your business up there in Tallahassee. I know that. Oh, we will. We will. It no, is we on. Don't be talking trash. And, and tell, tell your, tell your guys, Rohan, Marley, and those guys to see, tell those guys to take it easy on me, man. This week it's okay, but after this week we can all just get along. All right. Good stuff. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll be back to break it all down. And I predict Raja is going to be wearing a mock turtleneck. I might go full turtleneck. Forget the mock. Full turtleneck for Raja for the rest of the week. Enjoy the games.